I asked Abby what it was like to get a telephone call from the writer Malcolm Gladwell for his book, Blink. We also discussed her primary teachers, her own teaching, and her thoughts on women in music today. In the course of a normal day, the telephone rings, you answer it, and you hear, Hi, this is Malcolm Gladwell, <laughs> and I'd like to interview you. Oh, yes. What was that like? Tell me what that was like. Well, of course, it was a shockeroo and, and very pleasant. And he, he is just a blast to talk to. And he, and he just kind of, he has this way of just sort of pulling stuff out of you too. Hmm. Um, pretty color, colorful stuff, you know? So uh-huh. it, it's sort of um, stuff that I, I had, you know, just really hadn't thought about for probably, I don't know, 20 years or something. Mm-hmm. And so it was um, just, just rollicking fun. <laughs> really? He's such yes. a great writer and, and yeah. such a, a smart guy. I mean, I think I would be intimidated talking to him. No, but he didn't no, seem no. that he's, way at all. He's, no, he's just very, very um, amiable and kind and funny and clever. No, he's just very comfortable. Yeah. I heard that you didn't know that you were in his book until I think a friend of yours heard him speak someplace, mm-hmm. and he and he read from his book, and and she went up and said, "Abby's <laughs> my friend," or something like that. Well, she, I mean, I. I guess I did know. Let's see, but I, she didn't know, and she was at. She's a, a librarian, and they were they were having their like annual huge, you know, librarian wingding or whatever they do in New York, and he, and he was their guest, their special, their you know their you know uh, guest speaker, and he said he you know he just kind of started to talk about his his book which had just come out and uh, to a bunch of librarians obviously they were excited and and he said you know oh, i'm just going to tell you start out telling you a story and then he started to tell my story and my friend <laughs> very good friend very close friend of violas as well as a librarian and she um she just pl- basically plots i mean she just couldn't believe it it was just you know she got so excited and then she went up and uh, you know, got a bought one of the books and had him you know sign it. And he wrote, um, my, you know, you you were my inspiration for the book. That's great. So it was really really neat. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, let's go back. I know you've been teaching years and years at at Trossingen, the Musik Hochschule in Trossingen. Um, mm-hmm. You first studied your main teachers. I think were Per Breivik, Vladimir Slokar, and Christian Lindbergh. And you also studied some with Vinko Globokar, I think. Um, yeah, my my main teacher, you know, was Dee Stewart, actually, in undergrad. Really? Oh, yeah. okay. Because yeah. I knew him at, at Indiana. I did some teaching at Indiana. Oh, he's great. And and in my in a, my in high school, I had Dave Sporty, who's also a well known uh, teacher. And I went to Interlochen Arts Academy. And um, yeah, so and Carl Hinterbickler, I had for one year, which was just right. Precious, okay. Precious, precious uh-huh. time. But yeah, uh, I had fantastic teachers. <laughs> Globocar I had for just just for a summer at, mm-hmm. at Siena, Academia di Chigiana. And uh, Christian Lindbergh, you know, for a couple of boot camps, it, it was incredibly intense is hardly the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems like a very energetic guy. Yes. To say oh, yeah. Yeah, we were we were doing all kinds of very athletic yoga and running and jumping into cold Swedish lakes and yeah 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 were there specific things you got from the different people well yeah I mean just in let's see from from Dave Sporny I think just 
a lot of playing experience and um, basically kind of the Remington tradition in the trombone playing, I would say, uh -huh. which is probably only meaningful to trombone players, but you know, just make a, make a, the best sound you can possibly make, do, do your basics um, and uh, be, you know, try to be relaxed and make, you know, it's, it's like singing what you're mm -hmm. doing. So, and then uh, D Stewart was very, um, had studied with Arnold Jacobs and was very, very influenced by Arnold Jacobs direct, direct line, you could say. And so I, I got a lot of that philosophy, which was fantastic. And um, let's see, developed a lot of, a lot of good habits <laughs> with him. And then, um, then, yeah, then I had Pear Brevik. He was a much more European style teacher and he had incredible ears and he would just, you know, pick out one of, one of your 16th notes, you know, in the middle of a scale passage and mm, raise a little sharp there, you know, and you just uh -huh. kind of go, ah, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. so you, had, you know, you really had to clean up your act with him, which was uh -huh. fantastic, you know, very, very precise. And um, it was, of course, lovely to be in New York in that atmosphere and occasionally uh, go to the Met and, and hear him play. And uh, yeah, just that, just that whole New York scene, uh, just so the high professionality of it all mm -hmm. kind of helps you take yourself a little bit more seriously, you know. Yeah, and then uh, let's see. Global Car was uh, another kind of revelation because uh, he was kind of from the French school and kind of had his own way of playing the trombone, which I'd never understood, but it worked for him really well. And he was, um, he, you know, he was a composer as well, so he's a really really interesting person. And uh, uh, I got I got to play some of his pieces with with him and some other really interesting trombone players um, from Europe for several years. And then oh, and then Branimir. Uh, Bronomir was great. I was already in the orchestra in the Munich Philharmonic. Really? And I just had never really focused on, uh, yeah, I never really focused on solo literature. So, you know, Bronomir was one of the, the early trombone soloists. And uh, I'd heard him on the radio um, when I was in Munich. And I thought, who's that? You know, it was just so musical and uh -huh. such a wonderful sound you know and kind of played like a more like an oboe player than a trombonist and and so yeah i i, I studied with him in cologne and I, I would commute up there you know every couple of weeks when i had free and that was fabulous and then christian Lindbergh, yeah i went to a couple of um of his boot camps up in northern sweden or middle sweden uh, in, in any case it's very north up there um in the summers, of course, it you know the sun never set, right? So, right. so nor did it ever set on our trombone playing because it was very, very intense. And um, like I say, he had this yoga warm up that I sort of called the warm up from hell because you know it was very tough, and you did yoga in between every exercise. You know, every really um, wow, yeah, yeah. So it was it was all took exactly one hour. So it was it was you completely timed to the second so you just turn the metronome on and an hour later you were done 
Well, that's discipline. <laughs> yes, it was. I did that for years. It was very, very good, very helpful. How did you make it over to Europe um, the first time? The first time, oh, let's see. Yeah, I had I I got I got in the Spoleto Festival Orchestra. The, the it was called the Festival of Two Worlds. They do Imondi. Mm-hmm. And so I was at Charleston for a month, and then they flew you over to Spoleto for a month. And from there, see, when I was at Juilliard, I saw, a, you know, a little um, notice about an opening in Florence for first trombone. And and I grabbed that thing, and I took it down. I said, that's my job. Uh-huh. <laughs> literally and uh so i practiced while i was at the spoleto festival every chance i got and uh, went down there and took that audition and won it that's a whole nother story um Uh and and they said they were going to send me the contract in the mail and and everything was all set and then a couple weeks later i you know i nothing happened and i called and they you know said nothing you know they just kind of left me hanging and and i and then i found out that actually they had had another audition and taken somebody from turin in the royal mm. opera house first mm-hmm. trombone and so i was so disappointed but you know william my husband said well why don't you just take his job go up and you know audition for that so i sent it you know member telegrams i sent a telegram and said yeah could i come audition for this job and they said they said yes and so i went up there and played you know basically for the conductor and a couple other people and i silly me took all 10 of my excerpt books you know <laughs> so he started in volume one <laughs> and you know leafed through there and said play this play this you know went through basically all 10 volumes wow okay (laughs) i guess he really wanted to be sure Uh and anyway i got that job and then i found out two years later from the guy who had gotten my my job in florence Mm -hmm. and he said oh i'm so sorry to have to tell you this abby but um you know they um I took, you know, I was, they asked, actually asked me to, to audition, you know, and what happened was, and he told me, he said that the orchestra manager called Philadelphia because, you know, the general music director of Florence at that time was Ricardo Muti. Really? Okay. And they called him up in Philadelphia and because he wasn't at the audition Mm -hmm. and said, well, we found a first trombone player and, oh, and by the way, it's a woman. And he said, oh, no, I don't want any a woman. We have too many women in the orchestra already. So that's that was explained why I never heard anything. So that's where it started, actually. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I just, it kind of just, you know, it was disappointing because, you know, you know, you kind of, wow, that would have been such a fantastic job. But, um, you know, then I, of course, had gotten Munich. And so uh, it wasn't sort of somewhat compensated <laughs> you were you were two years in in the opera in torino in one, year. one year one year okay yeah. okay mm-hmm. okay what what was it like playing in that orchestra um did you sense that being a woman made you different or were you just like a normal brass player there 
<laughs> whatever that is. Whatever that is. Yeah, that it was is... like an oxymoron, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I felt very welcome. And they they really appreciated me and very much respected me and always wanted, they would come in, I would be practicing in one of the practice rooms at the opera and they knock, somebody knock on the door and say, can I come listen? <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it happened quite a bit. You know, they were uh -huh. so so wanting to learn. You know, the younger, mm -hmm. especially the younger ones. And uh, I I always thought that was kind of pretty bizarre. But no, they were very 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 kind, very welcoming, and um, it was fun. You know, and um, it was you know the operas was such that you know there were at least twenty minute um pauses in between the acts you know more like a half hour mm -hmm. a lot of the colleagues would go to the uh, cafeteria or something or to the bar and you know drink or whatever a little bit but i i would go practice because it was fantastic little you know sort of laser practice time and uh so i by the time i you know i auditioned for munich you know i was in i was pretty well well you know prepared for that but it was funny. We had, you know, the, gosh, the, uh, everybody, you know, the, it was a purely Italian opera. I think I was the only foreigner in it. And they all knew all the arias of the Italian operas. Uh -huh. They would, the, these trumpet players would have, you know, like a competition to see who, who could sing the best tenor aria. And they would just, you know, just belt that out you know with great uh -huh. voices and they knew they knew all these arias by heart wow they kind of sit there you know hmm, you know well <laughs> i i think uh tony won today you know it's amazing and it was funny because like the the rehearsal where they didn't have the singers yet they would just start singing they'd stand up on their chairs and sing you know the parts really yeah wow who was your music director his name was let me think i remember because oh god he said at my audition he was a uh, real torinese torin tur tur turin people are very cool they're not like you know the typical warm italian you know effusive mm -hmm. they're they hardly move and then they just sort of burp, 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 you know have this uh -huh. straight you know kind of Italian and he just he would just after I would play an excerpt he'd say ottimo you know and then I'd play another and he'd say ottimo and, I <laughs> and then at the end he said ottimo and I thought what is you know what happened you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, and then I found out later it meant you know kind of like optimal or something like oh really that, you know yeah uh -huh. it's a very a very positive thing actually yeah but because he was just completely stone-faced I, I just assumed it was you know not great <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting let me think if his, if his name comes to me Mar Martinotti Martin okay that sounds very Italian is yeah. it, do you think the Italian style of playing was it radically different from the American style of playing? Back then, yes, I would say. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah. And and also just the way they um, just tear into Verdi or Puccini. I mean, I, I just I really think there was you know it's kind of like when when we do um, uh, you know like 
Bernstein or something, you know, mm -hmm. Copeland. It's just like, yeah. oh, well, you know, it's kind of in your blood, you know. This is our music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. And it was interesting, you know, like, I remember the very, there was um, a big, they were making a big deal about the, the you know, we'd already been rehearsing and everything, but but then they, there was this, um, the beginning of the season, which was a big deal. And the, and the conductor, I remember he had a frock coat on, like a 19th century frock coat on, you know, like, I don't know, like Abraham Lincoln would have worn or something. And, um, well, that's what you did on the opening night of the opera, right? So it was, it was very, that's right with the very tradition. traditional. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How did Munich impact your teaching in Trosingen? I mean, it, had you not had the experience in Munich, would you have taught much different than the way you teach now? Oh gosh, that's an interesting question. You mean you mean all the kind of the negative experiences? Did that make me teach differently? You think or? Yeah, and how and 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 what you saw and how you how it influenced your life, how you think about music and everything. Oh, I, oh yes, for sure. You know, I couldn't listen. I could not listen to a Bruckner symphony for years. They they were they were radioactive oh. <laughs> for me. Uh -huh. I mean, I just like it brought everything back. Certain pieces, like you know. But mostly, Bruckner mm -hmm. was the worst in certain Ravel yeah. pieces. Yeah. That. But anyway, I got I got over that finally. I was I was entrusting in with you like about maybe four or five years ago, I guess, and and mm -hmm. uh, we went out afterwards and had uh, dinner mm -hmm. um, with yeah. some of the faculty members, with Wolfgang and Guggenberger and and some mm -hmm. other people, and and the mentality there just seemed great and happy and yeah. It is. Yeah. Yes. It's wonderful. Would you would you consider I guess your experience in Munich would be the aberration and and what you have in Trossingen is is normality in a way. Yes, it was like when when I got the job in Trossingen and uh you know so so there's a slight overlap where I was still finishing out my last year in the Munich uh -huh. Philharmonic and but I had the job, you know, it was it wasn't so long. But um I was still living in Munich and commuting, and I felt like when I, when I got to Trossing and I felt like it was King's X. I don't know if you remember children's games. We called it King's X was where you were safe and nobody could tag you it. Oh, okay, okay. okay. You were in uh -huh. King's X. I don't know where uh -huh. that came from. It's some children's uh, tradition. But I felt it was that safe sanctuary. Uh -huh. So I was just like, it was just sigh of relief when I got there. You know, uh -huh. and I could just deal with these wonderful young people, you know, that just really were enthusiastic about learning and playing and, and all. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there were some there was some getting my job there was a little had a little story, too. Um, mm -hmm. I, I auditioned there for the job and I guess I they thought I was the best candidate. And one of the jury members said, oh, but what's it going to be like to work with a woman trombone professor or something like that? And the horn professor basically stood up and said, you know, if this were America, you'd be fired for saying something like that. Really? <laughs> yes. Was the horn professor an American? Or, or? He, he, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. And so <laughs> his, his wife was a horn player, right? So uh -huh. um, he, he got it. And he said that, and, it, you know, it's sort of like, whoa, you know, uh, they weren't, you know, they just, that for them, that was normal to say stuff like that. Yeah. But still, 
there was actually the the trumpet professor wanted to hear someone else that didn't even apply. Um, mm-hmm. I won't go into that. And then they had to come and do a special workshop, you know, and 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 then I had to do another workshop because he had done a workshop. So I had to do a workshop and it, they put me in this room all day long and I had to teach trombone and occasionally somebody would come in and observe a little bit. And it was just like, oh, what is this? And, um, and then they finally gave me the job. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, I, I had to audition twice even for that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. 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 But you've been there. How many years have you been there oh, now? God, I don't know. I started in the fall of 92. Wow. Okay. It's okay. been a while. Really? 92. Okay. Yeah. That's 27. That's, 20. I think I started in Freiburg in 92, 93. Really? Yeah, so you were there about, all this, yeah. all that time. A fair amount of time. Oh, or, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Goodness gracious. So yeah, 93, I think it was for mm-hmm. me. So, um, do you think we just have a couple of minutes left, but do you think your teaching has changed over the years? Oh, probably. Uh, you know, it sort of morphed almost because <laughs> I pick up ideas, you know, from everywhere and sure. from all kinds of different genres, if you will. Um, for sure, it's made a, it's morphed. I'm sure. I remember when we talked that that one night, we talked about books. I mean, you're. It sounds to me like you're always reading new books and mm. always exploring new ideas. I've I've been influenced by you know the, how to think like Leonardo da Vinci very much and the seven principles of Leonardo, as extrapolated by Michael Gelb um, from his life and work. Uh, hmm. I, I find those just real gems, and uh, and you know I, you know I've re- I I ended up reading tons of self help books and mm-hmm. um, like. Krishnamurti. I did Alexander Technique, which I thought was brilliant and so helpful. That that helped me during all my struggles in the orchestra to stay, you know, centered and calm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yoga, you know, I did a lot of yoga. Um, you know, I did, I ran, I jogged, you know, that kind of thing, you know. Um, and I think also just reading lofty literature is inspiring and it kind of keeps you living in in the world of the of the immortals if you will you know as Hermann Hesse called them is that is that what he said oh beautiful yeah, I read in, every in, Hesse book when yeah, I ever yeah, yeah. right me, yeah, me, I loved it starting with Peter Cummins and I, I've read uh-huh. every book of his too yeah but in in Steppenwolf that's what he calls he calls the immortals oh like really Mozart and, yeah mm-hmm. council of the immortals anyway yeah, yeah and uh I don't know what else I could say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the idea is just to try and keep growing. Try Absolutely. To always be a student. Yeah. Yes. So, well, Abby, this has been great. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for spending time. Um, my I really pleasure. Appreciate it with it. I, You're an inspiration. I hope. Uh, I hope people. You know, every people get something out of what I what I babbled. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and we'll post some some links yeah. for you also your website and and because yeah. we didn't even talk about all the work you're doing um in terms of of the, the projects theater. that you have yeah, yeah music theater uh-huh. and all of that and thank you so much it's an honor to be on really this. great talking to you so take care of yourself we'll be in touch for sure thank you thank you very much <laughs> <laughs>